When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey Geekscapists, welcome to a brand new Geekscape, and we are actually on location this week. We're not in the Culver City um, Westwood One Studios, so you're going to be like, hey wait, what happened to all that nice radio audio quality? Well, we're recording on our Zoom on location here in Vermont. We're in Stowe, Vermont, where I'm attending the Stowe Story Labs, and I think I have the two founders of the Stowe Story Labs here with me, unless Dave Rocchio, to my left, is the founder and brought David Pope on. Or you guys did this thing together. We're foundlings. You're foundlings. I, I can tell you how, I can tell you the origin story if you'd like. I'd love it. Um, because I want to tell the, the Geekscapists, if you guys are screenwriters, this is definitely an episode for you guys to listen to. Um, because, hey, I'm at a screenwriting retreat with two other screenwriters and storytellers and directors. And so uh, I think we've been doing a pretty good job, Geekscapists, on some film heavy uh, episodes. We had Jeff Grace, who had a, a new movie out last week. On the episode, and then uh, last week, and then Jeffrey Reddick was on the week before talking about all these movies that are coming out. Uh, these are indie films; they're hard to get made, and I think that's what we're talking about here at the labs. Is we all have scripts that I think are indie scripts. Most of the ones I've read, most are are not the Avengers. <laughs> no, we don't have any comic book scripts, but we have some fairly big stories that will take uh, big budgets and productions. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, so my. Uh, how this came to be is like all uh, nascent screenwriters. I was doing the circuit of markets and festivals and had a short film at the Cannes Short Film Corner, mm -hmm. which was fantastic because it meant I had free coffee and could go to free workshops. And I would stumble around in the market the, uh, and, and try to advance my work. And I went to a workshop in the Short Film Corner at Cannes run by David Pope who beyond the dulcet tones of his British voice has a great ability to connect with people, to listen actively, and to impart wisdom on um, uh, this topic of how to uh, make your writing good, how to pitch your writing, and how to um, advance your work in the industry. 
fast forward, I was at Cinemart at Rotterdam with the project, and David uh, is the facilitator for the Rotterdam Producers Lab, and we were having Chinese food at the hotel. We both happened to be staying in the same hotel. And, and, and you guys city. kept in touch since can? A little bit, yeah. But we planned to have dinner together, and I pitched David on doing, bringing the industry here, instead, here meaning still Vermont, instead of having it be in, for me, faraway places. Right. And we started the labs in 2013. And what was the impetus for just creating a lab in general? Like, what, why the need? Why not just be a screenwriter who works on your scripts, works on your story? Why the outreach to other screenwriters and creating an, an opportunity for other screenwriters? Why the altruism, I think, is what I'm asking. And that may be a Los Angeles thing to say. <laughs> no, so that's, I think it's interesting. I don't really know other than um, there aren't, uh, the industry doesn't exist where I live. Right. And and why live here if you're going to be a filmmaker? Because, you know, the, the whole saying is like, you got to move to L.A. You can't even live in New York anymore unless you want to work on television. You know, well, I would I would say that you and know, you're in London. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, I'm, I, well, I'm in a small town near the south coast called Lewis. And, okay, and so you're I, not even in London. Yeah, I'm not in London. I was there for 20 years. And now I, I'm, it's very important, to, I think, to recognize that. You know, I, I I can move somewhere that I enjoy living very much. Um, in the modern world, um, with online communications, it, it's I think we have more freedom to be able to move around and and have a somewhat gypsy lifestyle. I mean, I think the thing is with um, what why do a lab and and is that yeah, right? A lot of writers may be living in those metropolitan areas, but most of the time they're sitting in a room on their own. Mm -hmm. So I think you know one of the kind of underpinning things of of any. Um, any kind of endeavor like this is community. Um, you know, and in my experience of working in different um, training and development programs around the world, which is what I spend about a third of my professional life doing, um, when I'm not trying to get films made and working as a script consultant, my, one of the underpinning things for me is the sense of belonging and community that people get. Um, writers are incredibly generous to each other. Um, I think you get a bunch of writers in one place, you convene them in one place, and in addition to that um, work that they get done on the project, the development they get done on the project, they, they get to exchange ideas, they get to share their war stories, and I think that sense of community is really vital, and I think that's probably one of the reasons for why do a lab, why do it in Vermont, it's beautiful and it's an incredible place and there is no problem when we when we talk to industry professionals and we say would you like to come and do this in Vermont they're like sign me up absolutely I mean one of the things that I loved about it and I came first in September and I don't know if I would have gotten the opportunity if it wasn't for submitting to a screenwriting festival that had like an endorsement from you guys uh, the page awards right. and they said hey if you have this certain I think of this certain genre or this certain budget amount for your script, like if you're an indie, this or that, uh, you are, you know, you're eligible for this page fellowship to the Stowe Story Labs. And I was one of the two people that got it last year, and I came in the fall and loved it. So let me talk, let me talk a little bit about that sure. that process. So um, the vision for Stowe Story Labs is to help emerging screenwriters, filmmakers, and creative producers get work made and seen. So the whole reason we're doing it is to help independent film of whatever scale. Mm -hmm. So independent meaning produced outside of the studio system for an audience looking for character-driven, identifiable character-driven content. Um, and so to best do that from here, where we don't have access to the population that really the writers are not here, so we have to market worldwide, 
we form partnerships with groups like PAGE. And PAGE is one of the premier screenwriting competitions in the world. We talked to them when we first started this, and they were very excited. And the deal with PAGE is they do outreach for us, and we then award quarterfinalists in the PAGE competition, mm -hmm. regardless of genre and regardless of budget or scope. Okay, so um, it was, it's not like a new thing. No, yeah. it's two fellowships mm -hmm. to the best um, quarterfinalists based on our review. And our review is, um, does the applicant have the ability? So do they show in the application they have the capacity to do great work? Have they presented us with a really interesting, compelling, thoughtful story? Because it all starts with story. Mm -hmm. And then the third part is, do they appear to be uh, collaborative and interested in understanding the collaborative nature of the industry to advance their work? And we have a really great process to evaluate applicants, and then we find the greatest, like you. <laughs> well, and, uh, let's hope that plays. <laughs> and then the, the vision is to have people arrive in September, do the four-day lab. Uh -huh. And I'd love, David, to talk a little bit about the content for the lab because we've spent a lot of time making that really meaningful. And then a writer's retreat some months later with fewer people, more mentors, but fewer people. Mm -hmm. Ongoing mentoring. And then help through a one-year process to get work for that person, get the work in the right position, whether it's a really good project summary and a polished script to sell or independent production support so that they see how they can make it themselves or crowdfunded, micro-budget, et cetera. No, thank you. Thank you. Uh, those are very nice things to hear because uh, for a long time I didn't write scripts. And I think the Geekscapists will be, who've known me for like 10 years will be surprised to know that it's not a science fiction movie it's not a fantasy it's not a it's not a genre movie that you would think that would come out of something like geekscape where we celebrate like comic books and video games and these high concept things i wrote a genre that was like a modern marriage noir and film noir. Uh, like a film noir and uh, a good and, film noir well thank you um and we'll see if it if it gets to the finish line and and you guys have been uh, pretty important in getting me to continue writing that script. It was not an easy script to, for me to write personally. And, Hard work. Uh, and you guys have been the ones who have been like, no, nope, let's keep the fire lit. And I'm like, no, nope, I'm throwing like water on it. <laughs> like, nice. I want to do something else. And you guys are like, nope, keep no. it going. And can, Dave, no, can I yeah, ask David a question? Can yeah, I be you for You guys do whatever mm -hmm. you'd like, yeah. So David, when we started this, you said to me something that really stuck with me. We want to give meaningful feedback in a supportive environment. And then when we built the program, talk about the elements that we cover in September. Yeah, because it, use it is different. British accent, please. Yeah, it's yeah. been different. To, uh, this it, experience has been different than September. Yeah, well, so, so just to, to possibly just talk about, we'll talk about that difference between the two things. I mean, I, um, I think in September, uh, which was the initial program that we set up and mm -hmm. the writers' retreat uh, grew out of that, um, there is a... It, the, the the format, which I think is important to understand, is that we have writers, directors, and creative producers attending um, around 30 people. And then we have industry guests who come in and uh, undertake a, a, a varied set of, of activities. with. Um, and I think underpinning it, it is important to say that what we strive to get is a balance between... Um, industry-facing activities and craft-facing activities mm -hmm. so that um, it's a beginning of a process if you're working with us of looking closely at, at you and your work and your process and your craft and the project um, and at the same time 
having industry-facing activities where participants, by hearing, talking to, interacting with people from different parts of the value chain in the industry, get to learn a little bit about how to best place themselves and their projects in that broader perspective. Um, so it's a balance to have um, those two things into playing. Um, and so the activities that we undertake in the fall, we have um, they, we do a lot of pitching work and we do roundtables with um, industry guests so that the participants get to uh, practice that. And I think that's very useful. Um, people who haven't put the, their projects into words in front of people before, I think it's 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 groundbreaking. Um, we have uh, we have industry guests to talk about their particular roles in the value chain and how they work with writers and how that fits in. So that I think that the writers can get a, a much bigger picture. Um, and there are there are three days of of those events. They're mm -hmm. they're very full days. Um, and in, in, in addition to that, there is you know with any activity like this, like I was talking about at the beginning in terms of community, I don't think you can ever undervalue that peer to peer connection. So. I guess as a back channel, we're always looking at facilitating that, making it easy, getting people to talk to each other so people can build those build those relationships because at the end of the day, the whole industry is a relationships-based industry. So both in terms of people that they actually meet but also developing those skills because, again, some people haven't got out of the room and off the computer much and um, <laughs> it's an opportunity for people to sort of grow their, their, their industry persona. Yeah, the other side of my brain, I do a lot of work on um, cultural development mm -hmm. and a lot of uh, experiential learning. So what we say to what I say to people when they arrive in September is don't take any notes. Don't try to process it. Let all the information we're going to give you just wash over you and just experience it. So we have this really um, interesting approach to pitching. And David says, I don't like the word pitching. You're not pitching to somebody. You're talking with somebody because it's never a pitch like the, the no, whole, I, don't, I don't know where that yeah. came from pitching the, is the, I mean, the pitching elevator is a verb, pitch, right? the this yeah. and that like everybody thinks that like oh i've got to have this pitch yeah. down i've got to have this yeah. thing i mean look, down, and it's but, like, but here's what i've comes never from. pitched i don't think i've ever pitched it in, in no because, i've always just talked to people about yeah the right exactly but it, that's a developed skill sure and the other things that comes from working on that pitch i'm doing air quotes for people listening sure is um you have to then articulate what your story is and why you wrote it, and that's what was valuable about it. Yeah, I, and, I th cool. I, and I think underpinning it all is you know is this idea, and the reason you know I'm, I'm happy to kind of stand by my statement. I don't like the word pitching, and people mm -hmm. in the industry will be like, "What the hell is he talking about?" Because the thing is, is kind of trying to understand the fundamentals of productive and creative communication. And pitching, the verb to pitch is to throw things at people. Right. And what we're trying to do is develop strong creative and business relationships. And in my opinion, it's not a good way to start a relationship by throwing things at people. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're trying to kind of say is like conversation. Conversation is a word that comes up a huge amount. Conversation and community. Conversation, an exchange of ideas, a dialogue about a project. We're looking to engage in collaborative work. So any any opportunity at the earliest stage to exchange ideas and this works both ways i mean you know for people to be able to actively listen in meetings to um to be, to respond um it's 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 a two-way street so straight from the beginning um i think it's important to um to, to try and to kind of re restructure that notion of what it is when we talk about ourselves and our story and is that a piece of advice you'd give to anybody listening right now who's a screenwriter who maybe has trepidation about sharing their work? Is that 
becoming a bedroom musician who only plays music in their bedroom and doesn't maybe upload it to SoundCloud or upload it to Bandcamp and get it listened to and get that feedback. What would you say to that person who's maybe starting out on their first script or is starting to put notes together on their first screenplay? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there is, uh, uh, there is a perfectly natural, um, passionate, protective impulse towards our creative work. However, um, exposure to your work will not uh, damage your career. Um, anonymity will. Yeah, I mean, th- there is, um, there are th- the amount of g- really good scripts out there is phenomenal. So hopefully your script is one of them, but it's never going to be one of them if you can't get that in front of people. And then get the feedback, which is yeah, what and, I'm doing uh, here in the yeah. spring is well, getting a ton and of notes. Yeah, and like, you know, screenwriting I mean, is spinning. Yeah, yeah it's it, you know the, the collaborative nature of film. I think when people write their first screenplays and they start having those conversations, they very quickly figure out whether they want to be a screenwriter mm-hmm. or they want to write in another form. You know, maybe you want to be writing a novel maybe you want to be writing something else but embedded within that within the professional career of a screenwriter is that need to be able to collaborate and to to have discussions and conversations about the work Mm -hmm. so that's interesting because that you asked me why am i doing this and i've never really cogitated on it but having people around me who are really smart and good and thoughtful talking about screenwriting and talking about projects makes my work better because I'm talking about it. It's very easy when you're by yourself or with a small group of close associates to look at each other and say, this is really good, right? Oh, yeah, that's great. You oh, almost that's get like awesome. inbred. Sure, absolutely. And I, and I wonder like... It's groupthink. And I mean, let, let's just keep in mind, like Quentin Tarantino won a best screenplay Oscar for a script that was 186 pages and I would argue was a, a movie that was a little too long and had some loose ends, you know, had some loose stuff going on in it uh, in Django Unchained, which is, was a good movie. But I, I mean... That was that light... Comedy, yeah, yeah, right? that was a light comedy. Right. But but I would say that the best parts of that movie weren't necessarily even the script. It was you know performances yeah. and directing and things like that. Brilliant. Uh, and for, you know and and so it was head scratching for me to have that script singled out amongst all those amazing scripts that year. It was a really strong script, but um, the, you know I always have my things about the Academy anyway. Uh, but well, there are other factors. There's other I mean, factors. Not, not to not to undermine in any way the achievements of that, but. The script is only one component in right. all of the factors of right. A, of that film, and B, of the um, films getting nominated. And films get written multiple times yeah. through production, and the sound in that movie alone. But what, was, what, what struck out to me was that he thanked his writer's group. And, and that was, a, in, I think his next film, Hateful Eight, was the, the movie where when it got, when it got quote-unquote leaked to Hollywood, I don't know if it was leaked or not or whatever, uh, he was like, I'm not going to make the movie. You know, they, in a, I'm paraphrasing, but... Uh, but this isolation kind of in writing your creative, you know, I'll show it when it's ready kind of thing. Um, I don't know at what point is it ever ready? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> you know? you've, you, you've t- I mean, you have, you, you, you've isolated like, um, an, an iconic filmmaker later right. in their career. Sure. I mean, we're talking about right. people actually trying to get their first projects in front of people, mm-hmm. you know, by the time that it was awarded. But by the time it was nominated for Academy Awards, his track record as, as somewhat of an American auteur was established, and I think somewhat, it, it, yeah. So, yeah. so, so the the initial that's my English understatement. Just a little bit, <laughs> yeah. just a little bit. So, so, so you see what I mean. So, it's like I think the notions of um, 
uh, uh, that that keeping your your work close to yourself and not sharing and not not being able to sort of engage with people um, at the early stages, I, I, you have to get the work out there. I think right. you have to kind of get a sense. The early of stages of your career, not early of stages it. of your career, You're right? And and I think people are reading that story out of Variety or out of Deadline Hollywood, and they're saying, "Well, I'm going to do that." And I think what what the two Davids are saying as a, a nascent screenwriter who may be listening to this is. I don't think you have the luxury to do that. It, it's actually pretty uh, imperative that you don't do that. That you just start. If you're doing your stuff it as a there. mental exercise, right? Or if you really feel you have something particular that only you understand, but you will get it made, this is not a process for you. Uh, uh, yeah, I think there's also the. So you're also an incredible rarity. <laughs> I know? think so. I yeah. mean, I, and and my experience with what we've created is, the people who come here are uh, trusting trustworthy, thoughtful, collaborative, insightful, bright. So it's not like we're asking people by participating in this experience to tack their work on a public wall. Mm -hmm. We're creating a community. And David is focused on this a lot. And it's something that happened that was not in my vision. My vision was within five years, we'd have filmmakers, screenwriters, and creative producers, emerging talents from around the world coming to Stowe a couple of times a year to work with industry people. And that's happened, and I'm really excited about it. The other thing that's happened is we've created these communities of people who didn't know each other and now do. And we have a virtual space called Alumni House. They go in and they use that. They plan meetups. They share work. We have writers groups, people traveling all over the country and the world to collaborate together. And that's fantastic. And they would never have seen each other, let alone met each other. If they hadn't come here first, and I, and I think that I think I think you know one of the things that's that's really um, pleasing to me is seeing people, you know, taking um, taking something of the spirit of being here and taking it out in an autonomous way and 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 putting that to work for themselves. You know, uh, I think that's um, that can only benefit. I, I believe in what we do here, and I think the more that people can go out and put into practice those those uh, skills and those things that they've had here, um, it, the better. I've taught some of this stuff in my classes as a professor. Like I've given in some of my screenplay classes, I've taken anecdotes that have come out of okay. your two mouths or some of the mouths I'll of my mentors. You, I'll send you the invoice. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I've said just little things here and there, you yeah. know. Maybe. I, and I think that I, I think, think that's yeah. great. I think I appreciate that that we've imparted mm. some ability to spread the skill mm. around, and that's great. That and you I, and that, that 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 completely, you know supports that i'm very pleased about that because it's a ple it, it um supports that notion of you know things going out into the world and being autonomous and and you know in an ever-changing industry it can only be beneficial that things that support people um are, you know uh, enable people to collaborate get, give people the motivation to keep going that's that's the stuff that's really important in the independent film i think the other thing with that notion of getting stuff you know when do i get stuff out there is that projects take a huge amount of time so and until you actually are engaged with the making of a feature film and really begin to understand how long that takes in in the full chain of putting a feature project together i think if a lot of people could suddenly realize that they'd be like i've just got to get this. i've got to get going mm -hmm. right. yeah because the notion that when you decide to go out and take those meetings you're going to get those meetings is is somewhat delusional 
you have to, it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of time to get through the door and take the meetings it takes even longer to find the people that you have an affinity with that you want to spend the next two or three years of your life working and that's absolutely vital there's a reason when people find those people they trust and they want to make the same kind of stories that they hold on to them for dear life and it's a search the search can only begin when they can start reading your work in uh, geekscapers who may be more prone to watch the marvel movies if you saw like Doctor Strange. Yeah, like that's a good like that director and those that writer we've been working together since right. like that first horror movie that they did for Blumhouse. And there's a reason for that, yeah. right? Trust, yeah. trust, friendship, share. Yeah. They like the same kind of work. Um, you, if you go to work every day, wouldn't you rather go to work every day with people who who are friends and you can you know you have that affinity with everyone? Whatever your line of work would prefer to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And they like the same line of work, even when it's different work. Right. And mm-hmm. trusting and trustworthy you don't find that unless you go find it and i think we get a more obvious example too in james gunn who came out of like the trauma <laughs> like he did right. a trauma movie and then you know geekscape is we there like celebrating slither it's been so long that we've been celebrating james gunn's movies and i think super if you guys visit us at wondercon right. the last wondercon in san francisco we had like uh super posters that we had had james sign and now the dude's king of the world with these guardians of the galaxy movies right. which but, are brilliant movies but and it's I, the I same people say, he's been working with and i want to say like um guardians of the galaxies is a great film mm-hmm. there's nothing about that film that um doesn't exist in independent cinema the only difference between studio cinema and independent cinema is the way films are financed and marketed. But a film like that can come out of a small product. It doesn't have to be a studio. You're talking about the unique voice, the unique... Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, granted, the, the special effects might need a little bit more dollar signs, but I get what you're saying. That wasn't yeah. all real. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't a documentary. They didn't go into space and just shoot that? Oh, dude, huh. I thought that was like... I thought they were on location. <laughs> and in, in Geekscape, if you're listening to this and you're wondering if the Stowe Story Labs is something worth submitting to... Uh, here are the two Davids saying that they're not just snooty guys who hang out at Sundance and at Cannes and watch indie films. I mean, these guys appreciate films across the spectrum of movies, you know, from documentary. Well, the first uh, the first place that I de- met, David, met David was Cannes, and I'd been attending Cannes and doing a workshop for, for, for years, and um, it's happening right now, and I'm here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're in right now, just so I want to set the scene because sure. your listeners will have heard the flip-flops go through and the washing machine turn on. Yeah. So we're in the basement of the lovely Timberholm Inn, which is an inn in Stowe that opened in the late 40s. So it's like we're in a Danny Kaye musical. Mm-hmm. And we're in the basement rec room, which has uh, all kinds of board games. Everything is a, wood here. Everything's wood. wood. Yes. And, yeah. um, and when we started this, we realized that it, it smells exactly like the basement you used to hang out in when you were a kid. It's, it's <laughs> dimly lit. There's a refrigerator full of we beer need, behind we us. We need to break out the D&D is what we need to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and uh, 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 it's a nice place to spend five days with like-minded people. Like-minded meaning they care very much about story. They care very much about character. They want to be in a collaborative environment, advance their work, and make movies. Yeah, and I think one of the, I mean, one of the important things to to, to maybe just 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 talk about, or, or one of the things that you know I'd like to just sort of mention is that, you know, people do come away to do this. It is a retreat, and um, this I, I talked a little bit about the lab, and basically the difference between that kind of format and the retreat is that um, it's five days long. Um, the script, it, it's the fa- spring retreat, is what, you're talking yeah, about. what yeah, we're doing, what now. we're doing right yeah. now, um, is that uh, so? So writers, um, 
submit a draft. The draft goes out to mentors, and then when they the mentors read the draft in advance, when we get here, uh, one of the activities is the the individual writers have uh, three meetings with three different mentors over over those days. And that's the kind of the, the backbone of, of, of the retreat. And, I, th- and I, I, mean, I know that writers go away with a credible amount of information to process. In addition to that, there's peer-to-peer meetings. Um, there's some workshops. Um, so that's the difference. Is it, it's, an, it's an in-depth investigation of a draft by three mentors. Um, yeah, I felt like September was macro. Or, yeah. Yeah, and macro, got some industry in there. You're really dealing with your stories on a macro story level. And mm-hmm. then this is like, like David was my mm-hmm. mentor yesterday, Rocchio, and we were talking about dialogue. Yeah, and it's like okay. Well, now we're getting into the nitty gritty of this stuff. Right, I'm getting you know, a credit on that, the micro right? stuff. I think Stowe is getting totally a credit on that film. <laughs> keep in mind, I wanted to not write it anymore. Yeah, it's a great I film. was like, no more of this. Yeah. Enough. This is too much to write. And there is, I think there is a there is retreat. There is retreat in the retreat. You know, I, you know, people are here. Um, there's no cell phone signal. Um, there's, you know, people. It's a are, great place for a horror movie. It's great. Yeah. I'm really excited for you guys to join. I mean, we me have a later. lot of yeah. we, we have a lot of people. We have a lot of people with um, young families. Uh-huh. You know, we have a very we have a huge varied age range who attend here. Um, people are coming here to take time to really devote to what they find one of the things they find really important. Um, we have, um, uh, you know, uh, there are on the, on this retreat. Um, there is it's a majority of women uh, screenwriters um, we're very proud of our achievements in um, in in terms of representation um, and we have fantastic partners that help facilitate um, getting the word out at our admissions time to as broad a spectrum as diverse voices as possible um, and I think that the retreat uh, format enables people to come away and to delegate some of their responsibilities at home and come and to really focus down on the work because of the location we're in. And I think that's yeah. really important. If you talk to Peter, my, my manager is yeah. one of the mentors Also, uh, can screen. I tell that story? You can, but he's wigging. Like, he's here and he's such a workaholic that he's just like... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just anxious about everything going back home, and right. uh, yeah, I'm just. Uh, and I was like, dude, chill out. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, the great thing about work is it's there when you go back. Yeah, I was like, it's, it's totally just, gonna be there when we get back rot, to Los Angeles. Right? Just chill out. Yeah, you won't have to throw it out. It'll still be good. So, but so the story, like Peter wrote about your experience. He just wrote me a note saying thank you. It was yeah, really Peter was my manager when I was here last in the, in this September, and he'd only been my manager at that point for like six months. Yeah. And, uh, he, and he, he was really very nice excited time. for me to come. He yep. was very excited for me to, to be accepted and to attend. And he wrote you a nice note. He did. And I called him to thank him for his nice note. And we had this conversation. And he starts talking about his insights of the process of turning a writer into a member of the film community, which is both industry and art. And he just was insightful. And he's a thoughtful guy. And now he's uh, part of the tribe. So did he have you. any insight on how long it was going to take? Because um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like, you, you always become impatient with right. any of your representations. You, you, didn't, you didn't get that memo? <laughs> like, oh, hang on. Oh, a he told you it would be 10 years. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not going to work. No, okay, yeah. okay. no he, it's much longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But I, so, let me say one thing about genre. Let me say one thing about sure. genre. If you look through the project book, uh-huh. uh, we have every genre here. So we do have dramas. We yeah. have dramedies. And Ori has a science fiction movie. Yeah, we have yeah. a really good science fiction uh, project. We have horror. We have 
really good horror. Like, yeah, I'm giving Shoshana notes later today, or to, I think yeah, the horror fantastic. I mean, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, I don't want people to shy away from this thinking the word indie doesn't mean drama. It means non-studio. It means non-studio, and for us, it means identifiable characters. So by identifiable, I mean characters audiences can understand, and um, there's some transference of emotion, but they can be in outer space. Yeah. So identifiable characters uh, with a complex story ending on a note of uplift. Again, what, what I think we think Guardians did so well, Guardians of the Galaxy. I think that's a good and template. If you if this is your first Geek, uh, Geekscape episode and you want to hear more Guardians of the Galaxy, go to the feed. Two episodes ago, I sat down with Ian Kerner and we went really in-depth through all of Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, so if you're a big Marvel fan or Marvel movie fan or just loved Guardians of the Galaxy, there's a lot of context. And the one thing about Ian is... He's read all the comics, so he knows all the Easter eggs, and he can give you the big backstory on what the Easter eggs meant and what it means to the bigger Marvel universe. He's he's a geek, and so that's what we do on Geekscape. Um, what do you guys think of, is the the barometer or the the health status of the indie film industry? Period. I mean, obviously, this is not ninety two, ninety four anymore, and we do have this heavy studio system going on now, where everything seems to be a remake or a sequel. Um, or a franchise, and then on the other side, in the indie model, you have this theatrical uh, limitation that if that Netflix is really owning all the territories, they're putting things on Netflix, and that theatrical is yeah. kind of a pipe dream or an advertising. We spent a lot of time talking about that, so I have three answers, and David has uh, um, also some really good insights on this. We've talked about it a lot. The three answers are: I love studio films. I love going to the cinema to see those films when there's all different types of silos, but they're all good, whether it's Finding Nemo or Guardians of the Galaxy or um, other content. Manchester by the Sea was a studio film in mm-hmm. a way. And I love those. that, But that is not cinema. That is some form of entertainment that's different than what we would define of as cinema. So it's a different industry in a way. You think that okay? So wait, you're saying that the studio system is almost entirely it's 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 entertainment. It's sure. more like an amusement park experience. But the it doesn't have to money. follow the same rules as what you're saying is traditionally cinema. No, because the marketing spend is so big, mm-hmm. they can't afford very many King Arthur's. Right. They have to know going. Well, not in. after this weekend. I don't think they can afford another one. Right. So I think I think you need to know the content's going to resonate with a really wide audience. Right. So that's one. The second thing is, it's very easy to make a film now. The barriers to entry to the industry are low. You're talking about using your cell phone, you, using your GoPros. Final Final Draft sure. is a fantastic program. You don't need to worry about formatting the page. And then right through to doing sound on a Zoom or having your Final Cut or whatever you're using on your laptop, mm-hmm. the ability to make the film is easy. The third thing is, there's a, therefore a lot of content making good content remains extremely hard. And so my company is called 0.03% Productions. That's the statistical chance of any one screenplay ever seen inside of a movie theater. So I'm going to quote some of my favorite dialogue, and then I want to hear what David has to say about this, because he has a different perspective, and it's interesting. Um, My favorite piece of dialogue comes from a uh, cartoon film that I saw with my kids when they were very young, and we had a blast, and this stuck in my head. Luck favors the prepared. That's Edna Mole in The Incredibles. (laughs) In The Incredibles, yeah. So what we're trying to do is help people be prepared for the serendipitous moment when their work's going to advance. And that's the answer to your question about Peter. When's 
what, how long does it take for your manager to get you success? It takes him as long as it takes to get you success. And so I, I was, can't egg him on anymore. Like I can't just call and pick on him. When it happens, <laughs> you'll be prepared. He'll say, oh yeah, I've got this noir script about a husband in a great situation who lets one piece of information destroy his life, mm -hmm. even though it's objectively clear he shouldn't do it. It's fantastic. And it's written by my client, Jonathan, and I get 25%. <laughs> David Roshko, the Stowe Story Labs gets no, 25%. No, Peter gets 25%. The manager gets 25%? 30 in your case. Oh, Jesus. Now this deal's getting worse all the time, to quote Mr. Calrissian. <laughs> and um, so, you, you, so what do you think, uh, Mr. Pope, when you hear David say that, like, then what is cinema then? How do you define it? You, you define it as a more purified storytelling that isn't catered towards a marketing, a giant mar like marketing beast? Um, I, I mean, I, I think that I think I mean I I understand David's points. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think my, I've, I've got some additional points. So I think I, that's probably which which I think is probably would kind of you know complement those those points. I mean, once so you know in physics, energy doesn't die; it changes form, right? So we're in evolution. This is all of this is evolution, and so you know at any one point they might get a sense that there's a crisis in one thing or another because x because there's you know the cinemas are full of this and it's more difficult to do that but essentially things are changing and moving and i think it's at one point is to um really try and engage with opportunities to get uh, at the same time as yes in the united states the middle ground for budgets for independent films is no longer there it's much more difficult to raise the money for a $8 million independent film than it was 10 years ago. So there's been a divergence towards large-scale temple blockbusters and low-budget independent films. You're talking about the contained horror movies that you see coming out? Not like necessarily just that. I mean, I, the I mumblecore type movies, the micro-budget movies. I think that, any, but any within that, with the, I'm talking about budget. Uh, mm -hmm. The way that that budget has been um, adjusted to different genres, I think is a separate conversation. I've sure. seen, I've seen every, I've seen every genre represented in lower budget independent film, but that's a fact. It, that's not opinion, that's fact. It's more difficult to raise in the millions for independent cinema. So in addition to that, what you're, what, so, so that's the bad news, right? But parallel to that, what you're seeing is changes in distribution, changing in platforms, changing in opportunities to get um, the films in front of audience. Um, another fact is that cinema has always been a lost leader. For films now, studio system. It's you should like, say in theatrical. When you say cinema. yeah, when I say cinema, yeah. I mean theatrical. Yeah, yeah. you're so, saying it in a British way, though. Yeah, well, that's you know, come to the territory. Um, <laughs> See the way he said territory. Territory. Said territory. territory. Yeah. yeah, you just took that I say right out. I can say schedule as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, it's. Um, yeah, so so I think that's something. So so one thing that I think is absolutely vitally important is looking at the budget of the film that you're making, because that's going to affect its ability to to make its money back using the variety of platforms. People are figuring out different models, interacting. This is happening in independent cinema. So interacting their um, their VOD release with limited theatrical. Um, sometimes with you know guest appearances by the director, so there are new models which are being worked out to maintain a theatrical component for independent cinema, but it 's not going back to the way it was ten years ago. The other thing is I would say we 're talking about the united states it 's a global industry 
So in different parts of the world, there are different mechanisms. And I think that, they, you know, there's a symbiotic relationship where all, all of the kind of national industries can be learning from each other. So I'm European and in Europe there are um, uh, slightly different methodologies. We don't have the, the, the studios per se. Studios in, in Europe are big empty buildings where you shoot things. Right? Mm, right. Um, they're not financial entities. They're not distribution companies. They don't do marketing. And I know I know US producers who are setting up relationships and co-production relationships between Europe and the US. Ten years ago, that wouldn't have happened, right? So this middle ground shift is kind of is kind of offering to people the you know the this the opportunities to um, create content in different kinds of ways in terms of financing, but also looking at different. Um, distribution models and I think there are benefits with bringing producers closer to the exhibition of their films cutting out certain middle people right um, who for a very long time and this is a somewhat controversial statement have drawn down on the revenues that producers have seen producers can become more sustainable they can make more work there'll be fewer of them fewer do you think there'll be fewer producers though um, I think you think uh, the industry is shrinking. A well, bit. I don't. No, I don't because I think I think that actually it's saturated with. But I mean, if you go to any film market, it's saturated with with films, mm-hmm. and and there are, as I said before, there are huge amounts of fantastic scripts out there. I don't think the industry is shrinking, and um, yeah. So that that's that's that in terms of I think it's I think it's very complex, and I think it's in I think there's a lot of moving parts, and I think it's very difficult to just pick specific fact that this is how it is and it's going to go like this i think i think it's it's good for people to keep their awareness it's good to keep their ears open and that can only help writers position themselves and their projects in the industry i I really do think screenwriters need to be aware of this stuff do you think there will be a pendulum swing Uh, like right like right now you see that studio movies uh these franchises uh might eventually start becoming a uh a you know, they they might start giving lower and lower returns, right? Mm-hmm. Like eventually, a franchise has franchise fatigue. We'll see how the Pirates of the Caribbean movie comes out. Um, but that's that's one where I look at it and I say, wait, where did that come from? You know, and you start to see smaller and smaller uh, uh, publicity campaigns for films. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like the Wonder Woman one is very truncated. And you start to say, okay, I think well, that's going to do really well. Yeah, I hope it does well. But, I don't um, think but, it's but if you start to see these movies yeah. come out every weekend, after right. a while there's fatigue. Do you think anything will ever swing back the other way? Well, I think, I think it's pretty stable. I think it's pretty stable. I don't uh-huh. think it's going to. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a pendulum right now. I think that the studios have really figured out how to get a particular kind of content in front of their audiences, and they may be able to spend less on marketing, um, which I think would be a good idea. I think though there's an opportunity on the other side where independently produced content, the European model of co-production treaties, European and Canadian model, Mm -hmm. co-production treaties, feeding cinemas with really close distribution agreements, I think that's going to take hold here in a way it hasn't before. And I think there's going to be a realization in the industry that character-driven, complex character-driven stories have a big market. And so I think that side of the industry will refill but is that a recruitment tool that has you know people like colin trevorrow and these directors who made those indie movies is it just a recruitment tool so that they make the next jurassic world or the next star wars film or the next marvel movie i mean you can do both right uh, i mean transformers and schindler's list came out of the same house i think it should be you know, 20 I, years i mean but 
Fair over, enough. Over fair, the course I mean, of 20 years. I'm not is, very good on that, my feet. So yeah, is that, is that still happening in 2017 is what, is what I'm asking. You know what I mean? Can yeah. that filmmaker still go back and play in the other? Mark Webb, who did the last two Amazing Spider-Man movies, and we love him because he did 500 Days of Summer. Right. The movie that he did with Chris Evans, who's one of the biggest stars in the world, it came out, I think, a month ago. Uh, it, it, it seemed to have come a, come and went, and it doesn't know if it, I don't know if you can go back the other way. So I think uh, here's what I think is happening: is we will figure out how to do meaningful distribution of smaller films in a way that it generates a return to the filmmakers. Mm -hmm. That means they can do that work, but they're not going to turn their back on studio work when they reach that level. They're going to be doing that as well. Something that like Linklater or David Gordon Green has been successful. I think well, there's, there's an important there's an important thing that hasn't been mentioned in terms of that e that evolution of talent is that the is 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 the talent migration from independent cinema into television, mm -hmm. and so you have a lot of writers and directors and producers um, now looking at high end television drama as a platform that they want to work in for lots of reasons, right. longer form palette, um, and so. This notion, or you know, and and there are a lot of independent directors who are looking at their options, and maybe they've done a you know a feature, an independent feature, and and they are um, going into directing high end drama because it's it's giving them more opportunities. Well, Neil Jordan, did I say his name right? Neil Jordan, who went from like The Descent, and then he did Game of, a lot of Game of Thrones episodes, is now possibly going back in the other direction to do like the reboot of the Hellboy franchise. Uh, Marshall. Neil yeah, Marshall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil Marshall. Yeah, I, I mean, Lodge Kerrigan, who's, you know, an art house independent um, uh, director, uh, made very uh, um, auto-celebrated uh, um, independent films, um, directed, um, he was, was directing on the US remake of The Killing. I mean, wow. you know, so he was kind of, you know, he, he has a very particular artistic sensibility, and, but, you know, but it's great material. Mm -hmm. It's really great writing on that on that um, on that show. So you know, if 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 you can, if, if that kind of talent is seeing an attraction in television, I think it means that the, you know the game in in television drama has risen considerably. The opportunities are there. I, I think I, I don't think that it's to the denigration of of cinema. I think the two things are going to coexist. I've been hearing about the death of cinema since VHS. It's not going to happen. Right, always we're, those... we're in evolution, yeah. Right. And television drama is obviously is in somewhat of a renaissance. And I think you know what we've been talking a lot about that here as well. Um, it's television is very different from ten years ago, and I think it's an important thing to recognise that um, that's a po those are possibilities for for filmmakers. And they're coexisting. Well. I mean, yeah. it seems like television, in in a smaller sense, the internet on like a more micro budget sense, yeah. are is that nineteen ninety two ninety four Sundance. Well, you get budgets with yeah. high-end television. I mean, you know, you're talking about superhero films. The superhero series on multiple are being produced mm -hmm. on a regular basis. You know, so if that's your if that's your interest, and and there is a, a massive appetite for material. So anybody who's writing um, graphic novels and looking to turn those into screenplays, for example, there are people out there who want to see that work desperately because mm -hmm. they they they've got um, a big audience waiting for the next thing that they want to see. Mm -hmm. That's and something it, that the Geeks campus would be. It goes into. back to it's a good story, and luck favors are prepared. Right. Would well, you see a, a day and age in the lab where uh, maybe you guys? I know there's some pilots here. Would is there a lab for comic book creators? Yeah. So we we right now don't divide. We take content as people want to present it and mm -hmm. work with everybody at the same time especially in the fall when it's about story on the macro level right? yeah but even yeah. here we have tvm we have film yes. i'm not sure i want to silo 
the approaches and have separate labs for separate streams of where it's going to end up. Sure. But yeah, we'd be very interested. And when you come to the lab, you don't have to have a script. You can apply to the lab and say, I write a really good comic book. I, was, I want to turn it into a movie. I was surprised by that last last fall because uh, I had been working my script for like two years and yeah. someone in our group was like, well, I haven't written this yet, but I have an outline. And I was like, wait, what? But also, yeah. there's, yeah. I, I, would also I would also say with, the, with, with graphic novels and comic books, I mean, it's... Um, they are they are primary sources of IP for adaptation is what mm -hmm. you're talking about. So we have projects here that are adaptations, and they would fall within that category. We we wouldn't need to um, diversify anything that we do to accommodate people who write graphic novels because it's adaptation, and we already have adaptation projects. The fact that it's a graphic novel doesn't doesn't change the fact that it's going into a screenplay. Right. You know that's what we're working on. Yeah. I just want to get your your sense on it because I'm fascinated by it. As we slowly bend towards an interactive medium in film, and uh, and so I, I eventually think that we're all going to be writing facets of video games at some point, or these interactive experiences. There will always be those kids who love vinyl, and there will always be cinema. There will always be people who go to independent films. I think people like Tim League at the Alma Draft House. I think that the proliferation of that brand and that theatrical. Uh, in that theater chain, uh, it signifies that there are people who will always want to go and see films in 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 the theaters, even if the films are 20, 30, 40, 100 years old. Um, so that will always be there. But it, will that become the kids playing the vinyl albums? And will the new thing just be an interactive art form and storytelling art form that we see in video games? Yeah, so well? I don't know. and But I think... Uh, the question you're asking is, are theaters, is the cinematic film, theatrical releases, mm -hmm. like vaudeville? I don't think that's the case. I mm -hmm. think the collective experience of being in a theater to see a product will always be one of the streams. And like David said about VHS, color TV was supposed to kill cinemas. Yeah. Right. But people, human beings are social. They want to see each other and be in a place and watch content. If there's good content and it's well presented... I think there's always going to be a market for that. But there are tremendous new ways to see content that we haven't even thought of yet that are going to take some of that bandwidth. Yeah, there's something very not social about VR. <laughs> there's something yeah, very but, not social but, about Yeah, it. but we need to prepare yeah. for all of that. And, and also I think that, you know, um, we, uh, I, I'm sure that there are some, some fantastic projects being put out in that, in that format. I, I haven't seen them. Um, there is um, within the industry there are, whenever there is a new format that, that that kind of is seen as the sort of the the great hope of, of of some kind of content delivery then there's a lot of noise about it and trends that I've seen with different activities actually I think I think video games are a different subject mm -hmm. because I've seen different trends with terms of in terms of tech interacting with with cinema and um, the, the things that tend to happen is that, that, that there, is a, there is a huge amount of um, uh, concentration on the form and on the tech and not on the content. Right. And it all comes back to story, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is... This, this is, is a story lab. That's right. why yeah, it's yeah. a story yeah. lab. Now, now, I'd be very interested, you know, if someone came in with a VR experience for, of X, Y, and Z, I wouldn't be... I'd be saying, okay, so tell me about the story because, right. because I want them to... I want to support them in achieving their dreams, but I'm not going to be talking about the tech. I'm going to be talking about the story because if there's no story, it won't last. It doesn't matter. So I do. I, yeah, do, I think uh, we were talking, uh, me and some of the other uh, attendees, or what would you call us? 
participants. participants. Labbers. We, we, the labbers, we were hanging out, and we were talking about VR, and we came to the conclusion that the people who are most excited about VR just work in VR. Yeah. Because it, from an audience's perspective, you know, the price point of entry and all of this is just... It, it, nobody, nobody... I would... When you think about another market, I do um, a lot of content for training, mm-hmm. and one of the greatest platforms is we do animated films, feature length, great story. Every three to five minutes, you have to decide... The direction of the story oh, really? based on curriculum. So, uh, whatever. This is educational material. Yeah, educational making. material. Yeah. So, every three to five minutes, you have to decide A, does he put it in the box? B, does he send it to the moon? C, does he eat it? And based right. on the curriculum, there's a right answer. The wrong answer, it goes in a different direction. So, we do these tremendous Christmas tree, decision logic tree stories. That's interesting, right? That's so, there are, there are markets. When I wrote video games, that's what I had to do. Yeah. But it's it was, interesting. It was brutal because it was in Excel. I yeah. mean, this was ten years ago. But right. they, but I'm writing in an Excel spreadsheet, and you don't get the story flow that you would get. It's because right. it's, everything's branching, and right. you'd get a cell on one document that links to a cell for another option on a different part of the document, and yeah. it just became a monster. I don't think. Th- I wonder if anybody will ever create the final draft version of a video game well, writing. I think software. the fragmentation but, that that fragmentation of 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 narrative is fascinating, and the ability mm-hmm. to interact with it. Um, my my thing is like what you know, looking at narrative elements in terms of craft and like mm-hmm. writing the story. You know, even if it go, it can fracture into different components and right. you can go in different directions. What's the premise? Why is that fascinating right. to me as a human being, as a meaning mm-hmm. searching animal, which is what human beings are? What that, insight does it give? What's us? the core of that? And then, sure, what you know, I would love to be blown away by a kind of really engaging deep VR experience. I just I don't. Right. I, I don't think it. it exists yet. I don't think okay. we have it. Yeah. No. Um, so, guys. But if, whatever platform, yeah. here, here's the best way to yes. say it. I think what audiences want when they go to see something, other than the entertainment from the studios, which is almost amusement park-ish, which is also valid mm-hmm. and really entertaining. We they want it. to leave. The, right. It's fantastic. Yeah. They want to leave the theater and go, huh, and think about things a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And that's based on story. You want to pay for two hours, but you want to experience four, five, six, seven, eight, which is roughly what we do here on Geekscape too. We we, we took those things that we enjoyed that took us fifteen minutes to read in a comic right. book, or several hours to play in a video game, or several hours to watch in a movie, and we just keep talking about them. And yeah. now the experience is at least so. That was one of the ladders. Oh, I said that's my cousin. Yeah, that's her cousin. No, that's my contribution. That's her contribution. Nice. Beer in the um, fridge. Putting a beer in the fridge. Um, no, we, that's. Uh, I think that's what we want is to to maximize our our time spent and our dollar. Well, we mean we are meaning searching Carry creatures. Yeah, you know, stories right. are about finding meaning, and right. and that and whether that's going to be in a cinema or on a phone or in a VR experience, we we cannot help ourselves but try to find and assign meaning in the world. Well, guys, I really appreciate you guys sitting Can I ask people a question? So this is for the people in listening? Yeah. So I'd be really curious what you think of this. Mm -hmm. Info at stowstorylabs.org. S-T-O-W-E, storylabs.org. Okay. Keep in touch. Yeah, Yeah, this is all part of a a bigger conversation. I I feel in some sense we've been carrying it on here on Geekscape for at least 10 years, which is daunting when I look back at it. Like, how... How long can you keep talking about stories and all these different pop culture, you know, iterations? But I love doing it. I'm here every week with you guys doing it. And I want to definitely thank the two Davids from Stowe Story Labs for being here with me. My pleasure. Uh, what's the, the website again? Is StowStoryLabs.org. And you guys are writers, so that's a .org. Um, 
take a look at the website, see if there's an opportunity that you guys may want to, uh, you know, submit to because I, it's really been rewarding to me. As I said, it's helped rejuvenate me as a filmmaker and uh, as a storyteller, and I cannot put a dollar amount on on what that's meant to me as somebody who's wanted to do this. Uh, it really, really helps. Um, thank you guys so much. I appreciate thank you, that. Jonathan. Um, Geekscapist, we will see you guys next week back in Culver City at the uh, Westwood One Studios. And I just want to make a quick reminder to check out our sponsor, Loot Crate. Thanks for sponsoring us. Go to lootcrate.com slash geekscape. Uh, you can get a discount on your subscription to all those awesome Loot Crate boxes that they have themed throughout the year. Just put in the promo code geekscape to get your discount. And I want to say thanks to Loot Crate for continuing to sponsor us. We'll see you guys next week back in Culver City. Peace.